Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Inside the junk hole. Oh, my goodness. Well, sometimes that is better. It just tastes so damn good. Stargrove. Wolfman's gone hard. Poor mommy. Here's Johnny. Thou art the one. Slap. Star Child. What the hell did we just watch? The All-American Spook Show Podcast. Hello and once again welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. As always, I'm joined with my friends Will Look. and the Professor Smoke. Yeah, like cemeteries, their cathedrals, and cities shall be your tomb. I mean, hello? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, little, you went a little dark there, Smoke. Uh, so, as he alluded to there, what we're going to be watching today is Demons from 1985, which... Uh, how, how do you pronounce this in Italian? Is it de, uh, demone? Yeah, demone. Which um, the I just didn't denote the plural. Demons in Italian. Like uh, Argento, not Argento, but uh, Romero's movie. I think Dawn of the Dead over there in Italy was called Zombie. But most people would think, okay, zombie, like a singular, you know, zombie. But no, Z-O-M-B-I, which is zombies. Which, honestly, uh, just just leaving the name alone, even, you know, like in English, would have been cool, too. You know, just a uh, demon... Yeah. Demons just sounds, I, I don't know. I mean, I know it's the same word and everything. It's just Demone would have been, would have been kind of a cooler name. You know, it would have uh, yeah, stu- it would have stuck out a little more, as, as, I guess is what I'm alluding to. Yeah, because when you think demons, I mean, that's pretty generic. Right? As far, I mean, there's been plenty of demons movies before and after this one came out. So. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Demone would have, been a, would have been cool just to leave it that way in English, too. And that's another thing, too, like, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more, but like, have you, uh, have either of you seen, I'm sure, Smoke, I'm sure you have, the, the cover of the soundtrack of this? Yes. Like yeah, with, the, with the hand? I actually have, I'll post a picture of it. I don't have the soundtrack, but I have the VHS, which uses that same, well, there's two different VHSs that came out. One uses the, that soundtrack artwork, only instead of, I think it's got like an orange, a uh, yellow, the yellow tint instead of the orange tint that yeah. the soundtrack has. But it has that demon hand, you know, holding up the theater seats. Yeah, yeah, like that. That my point was uh, was that is a much cooler image. That should have been the poster because you oh, see yeah. the posters. It's just kind of like that image of the the demons or whatever coming down the hallway, and it's all lit with their eyes lit up and all that. That's the poster. Yeah. It should have been that hand. That that should have yes, been the poster. Now the VHS uh, or the other VHS I was talking about had a uh, had the had the uh, demon the head. Of, you know the the demon that went to get to the one that burst out in a certain scene in the movie. You know? uh-huh. Yeah. That demon. That's yeah. the VH, That's the main VHS cover in the U.S. Was that like a full close-up headshot of that? Now the poster art was like you're saying, where the uh, the demons coming up out of the theater with the blue glow of the theater behind them and their yeah. eyes glowing. Yeah, I remember that being the main main poster in I guess for the U.S. theatrical release and of course the Italian one. But but yeah, the DV, the VHS they had that demon head close-up, and then they had the other one I was talking about, which was like a technically it was like one of those low rent sort of shot you know like released in the ep format uh-huh. you know those cheaper vhs tape companies they had cool artwork because it, like i said it had that awesome soundtrack artwork that one's a bit rarer i guess but yeah i'll post i'll post those pictures up on the on our facebook page 
which is later on after the episode comes out. Which is kind of funny that they would use that because it's only in the movie slightly longer than Skeezix was in <laughs> Trick or Treat. You know, like <laughs> very, very true. Yeah, Skeezix yeah, is only there for like five you know, seconds. He might be there fifteen that seconds. Yeah, our thing. So we need to. I don't know how to how to call it that, but we need to have the Skeezix factor or something where it's you know a tit- titular demon or whatever character, but it's only on the screen for like two or three seconds and nothing. Yeah. So this will be that one of those. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the Skeezix factor there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like and it's like hilarious too. Before we get any further into the into uh, you know talk, talking about anything else and getting into the background and everything, I'll go ahead and throw out the old usual information. Uh, you can email us with any you know comments or questions or anything at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at AA Spook Show, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, T Public page where we uh, sell merchandise. You can find all of those uh, just by searching All American Spook Show on the different websites. Uh, we just uh, launched a Patreon page, patreon.com slash AA Spook Show. A lot of bonus content and stuff coming, you know, c- coming soon. Like we're still, we're still on the ground floor of that, you know, but, uh, it's something that, that's on the radar and uh, to keep a watch on. We're going to start uh, putting some stuff up pretty soon. So I guess uh, uh, before we get into the background and everything else like we usually do, I'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Demons from 1985. The preview you are about to watch is for a movie that is unlike any you have ever seen before. It is for a movie that goes beyond temporary fear to everlasting terror. It is a movie called... Demons. Yes, the demons are coming, and they're coming for you. Warning, if you have the courage to see demons, sit near an exit. Otherwise, you might never get out. In your theater, who will survive the touch of the demons, and who will not? Demons. With music by Billy Idol, Motley Crue, The Adventures, Rick Springfield, and Saxon. This is no dream. This is happening right now. And it could be happening to you. Demons. They will make cemeteries their cathedrals. And the cities will be your tomb. Survive it, demons. So, I guess before we get into the background information and everything, Will, uh, obviously, this is the first time you watched it. What were your initial thoughts about demons? What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I heard. I, I saw somebody say, like, this was a good entry point movie for like uh you know italian horror movies and stuff because i guess it's because it's more american than a lot of these type of movies yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and, and it also sent like like at least this movie kind of leaned into the ham a little bit oh you yeah know, like, like hamming it up they went full 1985 that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like i feel like uh like suspiria leaned into uh we're serious, and, and you be serious, damn it. <laughs> this one feels like, uh, hey, uh, you, you want to see a head get chopped in half? All right, <laughs> let, let's, let's do it. Climb aboard, motherfucker. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you pretty much knew what you were in for when uh, the, the, the first time you see blood coming out of somebody's mouth. It's neon green. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so is it blood? Yeah, I was. <laughs> and the, the pussy boils. You know, yeah. <laughs> floating neon green. I was talking to, I was watching it. I was commenting to my wife. You know, if they had like used tapioca pudding or something like that, it would have been more disgusting. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, but there's something about the neon that's just, okay, this is just 80s. It's 1985, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. And it was that street trash neon green. I mean, it didn't have all the other melt, you know, like street trash meltdown colors, but I mean, neon green pus is very 80s. Oh no, no doubt. Yeah, honestly, I think the I think the uh, the artistic choice that for that right there kind of leans in with the uh, like the glowing eyes like later on in the movie. Oh yeah. So smoke. This obviously isn't the first time you've seen this movie. So uh, take it take us back in the wayback machine. <laughs> and what were your initial uh, thoughts when you saw it? <laughs> what did you think of it two weeks ago? <laughs> two weeks yeah, ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you mean two weeks after it came out in 1985? <laughs> Actually, it probably wouldn't have been at least until '86, yeah. right? Because it, it got released. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it was '86 when it got the video release here in the yeah. U.S. Or I, I'm I'm not even sure what did you did you happen did you catch the month it was released in '85 uh, over there? It it came out October 4th, 1985 oh, in Italy. Okay. Oh yeah, but was, then, yeah, definitely but, in the '86. But yeah. then it came out <laughs> May 30th of 1986 here in the U.S. Theatrical, I'm guessing. I, I would was, imagine, so. but I, I would imagine it probably wasn't like a, an enormous release. I, I, I didn't find any yeah. kind of box office numbers or anything like that on this. So uh, I would imagine it just played in bigger markets, you know, for a week or two. Yeah, I know it for sure didn't play where I was in small town South Carolina. And uh, yeah, I'm sure in '86. Uh, and I'm not sure the exact date it came out on VHS, but it was definitely in '86, some point. And uh, it was a new release rental when I. Rented it, but it wasn't necessarily new to me. I'd, I'd already probably read. I know I for sure I'd read about it in Fangoria magazine, and I was by that time well versed with other Italian horror films. Like I'd already delved into Argento and Lucio Fulci, and and even Lamberto Bava, the director of this movie. I'd seen a couple of his movies prior to this one, and so I was I was expect I was I was fully ready for it when it hit VHS, and and because like I said, I'd read a couple of articles in Fangoria about it, and they were praising it, so. Uh, and I wasn't disappointed. And like you said, it, it, it's very somewhat Americanized. I mean, it still has lots of Italian flavor to it in the soundtrack and the setup of things and, <laughs> and whatnot. But it, is, but it definitely could, you get that American flavor in it as well. The soundtrack, other things, not being able to end the damn movie properly. Yeah, all Italian qualities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something to be said for that. I mean, you know an Italian horror movie, whether you're watching this, that they're trying to you know, break through a market more so or Americanize it a little bit, but you can still tell fully, even without the dubbing, if you just turned the sound off and just watched it, you could still, you'd still know it was an Italian movie. Yeah. So some of the background, like I said, I just uh, talked about the release dates. Uh, I found some other names for it. Like some, some, uh, it has somewhat of a confusing history from what I could tell as far as names and stuff like that. And I'm sure they have to call it certain things in, in other countries. You know, we, we usually uh, dive into that. Um, you know, with most movies we uh, talk about, uh, like we talked about earlier, this one in Italy, it was actually called Demone. Um, in Thailand, it uh, translated to open hell through the streets to eat people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, say that again? In Tha- I haven't heard that title yet. In Thailand, it was called open hell dot 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 through the streets to eat people. <laughs> That's awesome. The, the United States reissue, which I'm not exactly sure w- what the timeline of that was, but another title here in the U.S. was called Demons of Hell. In West Germany, 
It was known as Dance of the Demons. Uh, and, and then I also noted that apparently, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this was uh, before, obviously this is before the Berlin Wall fell, right? So like, that, I guess it would have been like uh, released in West Germany and what was, it was East Germany, right? Wasn't that how it split with Berlin? Or was one just called Germany? Yeah. Yeah, whatever it was. Whatever the geography of it was. In Germany at the time, it actually wasn't released. Yeah. But they did release Demons 2. Because the sequel to this movie came out a year later in 1986. So in Germany, they did and release... what was it called? Demons. Yes. So then, <laughs> they released <laughs> Demons a little while later as Demons 2 in Germany. So <laughs> they just completely flip-flopped the movies. <laughs> Um, and you I'm know, we had a similar thing here in the U.S. when it came. Well, now, when it comes to foreign movies and Italian movies and all that stuff, there's all there's a lot of confusion. And being a fan back then was a huge amount of confusion trying to figure out what was what. Sometimes Romero, for instance, released Dawn of the Dead in Italy. Well, technically, Argento had control of the Italian release of it because they kind of collaborated with that. But it was released as Zombie in Italy, Z O M B I. In the U.S., it was Dawn of the Dead. So, Fulci, Lucio Fulci, made a movie called. Zombie Z O M B I too because he was kind of cashing in on Romero's zombie you know in the, in Italy so of course in the, when he released Zombie two in America there was no Z O M B I and there's no zombie in America so they called it Zombie Z O M B I E so that was a little bit of confusion yeah <laughs> did, did y'all see anything like on the uh, the whole like zo- uh, I'm sorry now you got me talking about zombies uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Demon's franchise. Oh, yeah, how there's multiple sequels, but they're all... Not really a franchise? (laughs) I mean, it is, but it isn't. Yeah, (laughs) there's multiple sequels, and they're all called something different. Like, isn't there two different uh, Demons 3s films, but they were called something else originally, and then they changed it later? I think there's seven sequels, right? I didn't write them all down or take note of them, but I think I I heard it was like seven sequels, so to speak. Now, was there a six? I I think what what I had seen was uh, there was one and two, which were connected and yep. then the two threes for two other movies that they just decided to throw demons in front of yep yeah one of those Same is called thing. Black, black demons i think was the original name of one of those movies in 1991 the and one that I they called was, demon three and then there was demons four and then i think there was demons five and then seven am i wrong on that uh, like i said i'm I, not sure about the sixth and seventh part yeah, you might be right. <laughs> and I haven't seen actually be my. You know, I haven't seen beyond the other ones like the ogre, which was another name for Demons Three. Well, it wasn't really another name for Demons Three. It was a movie called The Ogre, which was directed by the same director, Lamberto Bava. But I don't know who's. I'm guessing probably a distributor in some other country, maybe in the U.S. or U.K. decided, well, let's call this Demoni Demons Three. And then the same thing with that other movie I was talking about, Black Demons, directed by Lamberto Lindsay was totally unrelated and I, I don't know the the history of which com- which country it was released that way but they decided to call that also demons <laughs> and, and i think the only one out of any of these that's actually connected is demons too right yeah that's the only official demon sequel. the other ones were just basically distributors trying to cash in on the name so yeah uh, uh this movie was produced by dac film and distributed by titanus or titanus however you pronounce that in, in italy and of uh I guess as far as like maybe worldwide, I'm not sure, but at least in America, it's not rated. Although I don't know if they have the same kind of standards in Italy, like, you know, as far as the MPAA and all that. Like, I don't know if did they have their own version of that in Italy. I don't think they really, they don't have to worry about that so much over there. I don't think as far as their own, the movie's getting violence cut. I'm not sure. I'm sure they have some sort of rating system, but it seems like violence is something that <laughs> I guess. Yeah, they don't give a through. shit. Unlike it's like, yeah, they don't like UK and Germany. Usually they have a pretty heavy censorship and stuff but yeah 
I don't hear anything about Italy's. I'm sure they got to have some kind of rating system, but I guess they don't have that problem with censorship when it comes to violence, like like they did in the U.S., U.K., and other countries in that time period. Yeah, and this is although this movie was uncut in the U.S. This is probably a good time to mention. I, I think I saw somewhere like in in the U.K. there there uh, it was released, but it was edited all to hell. Like it, oh yeah, they took all the gore out because I guess that was during like the uh, the video nasty stuff that we've talked about before. Yeah, video nasty. Yeah, you know, I guess they tried to avoid that by chopping it up beforehand so it wouldn't get lumped in with the band movie. Yeah, yeah. So they took all, they took pretty much all of the gore out of it, which God knows what this movie would be without the gore. Like it would ha- <laughs> I mean we're not we're not talking about Citizen Kane here to begin with and when you chop the gore out, what the hell's left? The total runtime of the movie is 1 hour and 28 minutes. Uh and of course it's listed on IMDb as a horror movie. Um it was filmed which I, I thought this was pretty crazy. You know, we talk about short turnaround time sometimes. Uh, this was another one of them. This was filmed basically over, I think, like I I think I read over the course of like seven or eight weeks uh, from, from June to July of 1985. And this thing came out in October 4th of 1985. So what's that? Only about three or four months later. It was filmed in, uh, most of it's in Berlin, Germany. And uh, I think uh, other portions of it were filmed in studios in Rome, Italy. Um, the exterior of the theater, which I'm 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 not sure exactly what it was being used for at the time, whether it was a theater or something else. But apparently the building is still there. But now it's like a dance club in Berlin. But I know it wasn't called the Metropole. Like they, I guess they came up with the name and put that on the building. I guess the the building was something else, and then they uh they put that up there. But the interiors of the theater, that's not the same theater. The interiors were like some abandoned theater somewhere else. Now, I wasn't able to tell whether that was done in Berlin or in Rome, but I'm I'm going to assume that they did all that in Berlin since I guess most of it was shot in Berlin. So I'm assuming that they just found some abandoned theater somewhere and and uh, to actually film the movie because, you know, they tore it all to hell. The budget that I could find for the movie was about $1.8 million dollars. And uh, I couldn't find any kind of uh, gross here in the U.S., but I did find that in Italy it grossed about 1.2 billion Italian lira, which they, they don't even, that's like an obsolete uh, form of money now. Like, they don't even use the lira. I think they do, they do euros in Italy now. But at the time, they still use lira, and it made about 1.2 billion lira, which sounds crazy, right? By the math that I could find... Yeah, which- Turns out it. Oh, okay. Oh, you got it. Because I yeah. thought it turned out to be like three hundred and fifty-two bucks. No, 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 no. It was a little bit more than that, but not a whole hell of a lot more. No. <laughs> what no. I could find the the rate of exchange from the lira to the dollar, and I'm not sure if this was at the time or later on or whatever. Like I said, lira is a, an obsolete money, but it basically equates out to what, from what I could tell, about seven hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars <laughs> in uh <laughs> in Italian lira is what they made off of this. Which doesn't sound very good, considering that the uh, estimated budget was 1.8 million. Hopefully, they made some some of their money back by like international distribution and stuff like that, you know. But they, once again, I you, they made it quite a bit from me off of VHS. Yeah. Back in <laughs> they made all their lira back from all from smoke buying all the different versions of this movie throughout the years. So over on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 60% on the tomato meter and a 65% from the audience score, which, you know, that, that's both pretty fair, you know, a, a lot better than your average movies that we talk about. On IMDb, it's about the same. It's 6.7 uh, stars out of 10. So, uh, it's, you know, you're, you're looking at about the same uh, 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 polling numbers there as far as the audience is concerned. 
right. All right. So uh, background information. We this movie was directed by Lamberto Bava, which he's actually the son of Mario Bava, like one of the w- one of like the Mount Rushmore of like Italian horror movies and stuff, right? Smoke. I mean, you could tell us more about Lamberto Bava and Mario Bava. Uh, yeah, his his dad Mario Bava was. Uh... There at the beginning of pretty much of the Italian horror, burgeoning of the Italian horror. I mean, I think there might have been a few Italian horror films back in the silent era, but there was a big, huge gap where there was no horror movies being made in Italy at the time when a bunch of other countries were really, you know, putting stuff out there. Like in the, I'm talking about like in the 30s and 40s and 50s when Universal in America was putting a bunch of stuff out and into the 60s, you know, or 50s or whatever when uh, Hammer Films started putting out their versions, you know, the Universal type monster movies and things. That's pretty much when. Italian horror genre kicked off, and it was uh, Ricardo Freda. I think it was Ivan Piri was the first Italian horror movie of that that new rebirth. I guess it was. I think it was 1958 or 59 for that movie. And uh, Mario Bava was, I believe, the cinematographer on that movie. And he was a cinematographer before he was anything else. And he's like a well-known, renowned cinematographer. He worked on a couple movies for Freda. Caltiki, The Immortal Monster, was another one. I think he was usually like an assistant director. And, but a lot of times he ended up directing most much of the scenes. I think Fredo would just let him go. And then he was given his own movie in 1960 called Black Sunday. That is a bona fide, you know, classic right there. If anybody's talking about classic age of Italian horror cinema, that's usually the first one that gets mentioned at the dawn of it, you know, outside of Ricardo Fredo's movies. And then uh, he did a ton of, He was also, the, I guess, the kind of the creator of the giallo genre, which is a distinctly Italian thriller type genre dario argento would pick up and start making his movies in, in the 70s i can't think of the name of that uh his first giallo right now off the top of my head but uh oh it's uh the girl who knew too much <laughs> it's kind of like a ripoff of the title of a hitchcock movie did he do one called the man who knew too much yeah or at least that's the english you know title that they called it or whatever that was the first giallo movie technically and uh, lumberto bob was his son who worked on his dad's movies as assistant director and then you know had his debut in 1980, maybe, I believe it was, with my Macabre and Blade in the Dark. That was the second movie. That was another Giallo, too, and that's a pretty good one. That's got some decent gore. You could see where he would get into, like, more of the gore with demons through Blade in the Dark. <coughs> Excuse me. I was holding that. <coughs> like, I got to get some, like, water. I had a dry thing in my throat that I was trying to talk through, and I couldn't. I was like, okay, I got to <laughs> I just thought you were getting <laughs> choked up over your love of Italian horror. <laughs> no. Oh, that's better. He's actually like Lamberto Bava. Uh, what I could uh, see, he's actually third generation uh, like Italian filmmaker because his grandfather was Eugenio Bava, who apparently was like uh, uh, big back in like the uh, Italian silent film days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even mention him. Yeah. So like, uh, I, I just noticed not, that. Not, I guess not necessarily for horror movies, but for yeah, for other. Yeah, uh, yeah. For just, whatever reason, I don't know why that the Italian horror genre didn't pick up until late fifties. Uh, their, their producers weren't, you know, behind. That weren't. It wasn't serious type genre fare. Pro- probably, or, or, uh, it sounds like it was kind of around the time that it kind of started to slowly die a little bit here in the U.S. Because if you go back and look at like when movies were released, the thirties and then be- de- definitely in the forties there were a ton of horror movies, and then in the fifties there's still plenty, but it, it seems like it kind of starts to slow down yeah. a, a good bit in the fifties. Until it picks back up into the 60s. So, like, and I'm guessing that was just because of the way things were at that time with anti communism and, you know, conservative uh, views and all that kind of stuff. Maybe they just kind of slowly put the kibosh on making horror movies and stuff. But, you know, there was a 
or maybe just other things became popular and you just kind of died on, you know, died yeah. a small death. Oh, whatever, definitely. Like the, whatever the well, reason. Speaking of the, the Cold War stuff, it was like sci-fi. Remember sci-fi? Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Then, and that had a lot, of do, a lot to do with the Cold War fears and stuff. And then, yeah, bled over into like sci-fi horror combinations, I guess, like uh, it, the Terror from Beyond Space and things. And then, yeah, then the horror genre picked back up again. So yeah, it, goes, it definitely goes through waves. Just for whatever reason, Italy's wave didn't kick off at all until like 1958. So that, that that's a little bit of background on uh, Lumberto Bava and the whole Bava clan. <laughs> also, we should mention, before we even get any further into that, and we're talking about Bava before I forget about it too, he was <laughs> he was an assistant director on one of the most controversial Italian, well, probably the most controversial Italian film ever made, uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Ah. We'll get to that at some point, I guess, yeah. on the show. But yeah, we will. That'll be a rough... <laughs> yeah, it's a rough, it's a rough watch. Yeah, but yeah, he was an assistant director on that movie. But he also directed, you know, just some other highlights. Uh, he he was he did direct Demons too the next year. Um, he also directed Body Puzzle, Devil Fish, which I think that was before uh, Demons. Uh, you'll die. Maybe. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> Devil Fish. Yeah. Now we got to get that one on the show. If Willie, <laughs> if you th- if you don't like Suspiria, I don't know what you would think of Devil Fish because you <laughs> if you saw Devil Fish and Demons, you wouldn't even think the same director had anything to do with them. Devil Fish is some terrible ripoff of Jaws. <laughs> I mean, terrible, but still entertaining. Definitely entertaining to watch. But yeah, you wouldn't think it came from the same director as Demons. But. <laughs> well, you're talking us into watching it is what you're doing. I mean, you're not. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got we have to do it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I'm not saying this is the best bad movie, but there is enough entertaining scenes to make it just like what the fuck, especially the monster itself. The devil fish is just ridiculous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's called devil fish. So I, I would uh, expect nothing less, to be honest with you. Um, and also, uh, You'll Die at Midnight. Now, this movie was produced by the one and only Dario Argento himself, of of uh, Willie's favorite movie, Suspiria fame. Oh, yeah. So, some other things you'd know off the top of your head from uh, Dario Argento would be Deep Red, uh, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Opera, Tenebrae, which, you know, Smoke, you mentioned earlier. Tons of stuff from Argento. Like, he's another dude on the Mount Rushmore, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And Bob, I guess if you were to, if you were to come up with five, the top five, not necessarily saying the top five most claimed at you know story writing and script and just but the most well known, it'd probably be Bava, Argento, Lucio Fulci, Umberto Lindsay, and maybe Sergio Martino. That'd probably be the top five of upper echelon Italian horror directors. Then Lumberto Bava would probably be those other ones I mentioned were kind of you know a little bit more classic era. Lumberto came a little bit later because he was just from his age came a little bit later into the into the 80s so he'd probably be in i'd say number six anyways now this movie was uh based on an original story by dardano sacchetti who also wrote devil fish <laughs> rome 2033 the fighter centurions 1990 the bronx warriors and killer crocodile oh yeah we got to do that one I, you know i think i've seen that before or at least bronx yeah yeah i think i've watched that before although that's been a long time ago and killer crocodile but uh, it's all. It's actually the screenplay for this movie is actually written by Dario Argento, Lamberto Bava, Dardano Sacchetti, and Franco Farini. Who Franco Farini was actually one of the writers on Once Upon a Time in America. Uh, you know that movie that came out. Mm-hmm. I think we're like a year or two before this movie came out. Actually, um, so they had a little bit of an all-star team working on the screenplay for this movie for sure. Yeah. Dardano Sacchetti, you'll notice. He, I mean, he's the guy's got like I don't know how many. I haven't looked on IMDb recently, but I, but I would guess hundreds of script writing credits and he's his name is attached to some of the biggest names i mean some of the biggest italian horror films out there he's kind of like the under i don't know you, you don't hear him talk about too much like you hear about argento or you hear about 
Bava or Fulci or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a ton of these movies, or at least if not the bare bones script, basic you know story for it, the whole script in many cases. So. Yeah, just uh, sort of the underrated backbone of Italian horror that doesn't really get mentioned too much. Yeah, and like I said, I mean for this one, he 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 was one of the writers on the screenplay, but this is actual original story by him. So. You know, mm-hmm. as far as what you see on the screen, he's he's a huge, heavy influence on it. Obviously, the music in this movie now it's got a it's got a pretty good, recognizable name soundtrack to it. But the music in the movie was done by Claudio Simonetti, who uh, was the he I guess was or is that one of the keyboard players of Goblin, right? Yeah, he, they kind of go through this <laughs> this uh, I don't know what you call it. he was originally the keyboardist in Goblin, and then. Uh, he split off, and well, actually, all of Goblin kind of split up. Goblin, of course, being you know in the soundtrack for the the other movie we mentioned, uh, Suspiria, <laughs> uh, and even Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Argento brought them on to do the soundtrack for Romero's film, and a ton of other Italian horror movies. But then they split up, and they just kind of went by, I guess, their own separate names or whatever. So Claudio Simonetti went solo and did a bunch of these soundtracks and stuff. And then later, I guess they reformed. But then Simonetti, I guess, thought that he should have the name goblin or whatever so they there's like simonetti's goblin and then there's the other goblin which is like the other members <laughs> so there's there's two goblins going around right now touring it, it sounds like the uh the history of uh elo the electric light orchestra where there's like three or four different <laughs> yeah. versions jeff lynn's elo <laughs> yeah but uh simonetti had a hand in uh like, like we said the the, the soundtrack and in, in music of suspiria dawn of the dead deep red tons of other things i think he had like 60 or 70 like composer credits um, tons of uh, tons of uh, examples of his work. One of the people that worked on the special effects in this movie was Sergio Stivaletti. Now, I think it's actually kind of an uncredited kind of thing for this movie, but apparently he became a well-known like special effects guy, you know, around this time and afterwards. Yeah. Um, and, and like I think he does like animatronics and stuff like that for movies too, right? Or at least did. I, I guess he still does. I'm not sure. Um, probably, not, probably a lot of these dudes aren't as active as they once were, right? You know, back during these times. But yeah, again, the 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 in the Italian genre, the horror genre died again, like in nineteen. I don't know. I'd say the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. By the end of the nineties, there was hardly anybody making horror movies outside of the biggest names like Argento. And once I think one of the names we'll get to in this movie actually, Michele Suovi was directing a few as well, but. It just dried up. Like another thing you'll notice too about the Italian genre, outside of the Giallo films, a lot of them they, they ripped off a lot of stuff. You know, like the 1990 The Bronx Warriors was basically a rip of Escape from New York meets Mad Max. Or, yeah, they they did a ton of those types of post nuclear road warrior type ripoffs. Horror movies too. They would they would kind of ride whatever the wave was of what was going on, whether zombies or cannibals or well, they kind of created the third world cannibal movie, but. But they put a lot of them out, and they were about the only ones doing it. But they would kind of ride that wave for a while. And outside of the giallo genre, whenever it dried up, as far as like there, those types of uh, I guess you call it not not parodies, but I mean, sort of ripping on the uh, whatever was going on in the American cinema at the time, that just dried up for whatever reason at the end of the '90s. Now and then, finally, I think a few filmmakers did start coming out a little bit later in the 2000s, but nowhere near what it was. Some more special effects that uh, uh, by Sergio Stivaletti. Uh, he worked on Demons 2 a year later. After that, he worked on Opera, The Church, The Mask of Satan, which w- wasn't The Church one of those movies that got like renamed w- one of the demon Demons movies? Maybe I'm uh, thinking, yeah, r- recalling and, differently. Yeah, I think it did it initially did. because Well, that's one of the movies where, again, it was directed by that guy, Michele Suovi, who, as we'll get to in the story here, is a actor within Demons. Yeah. And he was an assistant director <laughs> in his own right. For a lot of Argento's movies before 
he was given uh, that movie was his directorial debut, La Chiesa, which is the church in town. And but yeah, I think it did get called lumped in with the Demons title too. Yeah, Demons Three. Yeah, see there you go, another Demons Three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one kind of makes sense because at least that movie is about demons, which could. I mean, it doesn't really have any ties to this movie, but I mean, it, you could see it not necessarily as a sequel, but you could see it more similar than some of those other demons, like the ogre. <laughs> and the ogre has it, nothing to do at all with demons. <laughs> it's funny, like they, they, they all. It sounded like they wanted to cash in on the success of uh, of demons, but they didn't just want to straight up make another demons movie for some reason. <laughs> you know, like they should have just kept the string going as opposed to just taking other movies <laughs> yeah. and renaming them. Really? Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't have. Well, I mean, okay, demons too. It didn't. I don't know if you've seen Demons Two yet. Not, I, I not enjoy yet. What it is, but it's not. It's not on the level of Demons, the first one. But so I'm sure they probably lost money even in the in the international markets on Demons Two. But still, you would think they would have made an, just an official Demons Three rather than yeah, you know, just calling this or that movie Demon. You know, tag tacking the name onto it or whatever. All right. So before we get into the the fun of the movie itself, we'll go ahead and run through the cast real quick. Um, a lot of these probably wouldn't be recognized for you know a lot of you know unless you're like. Uh, you know, a big Italian horror fan. Um, but it stars uh, Urbano Barberini as George. Uh, he's kind of the main, uh, you know, w- one of the last dudes standing toward the end. And, and I guess before we go any further, we should add that we are a spoiler podcast. So uh, if for whatever reason you've listened this far and you haven't watched this movie, pause this, go watch it, and then come back. Trust me, you're going to enjoy this one. But, uh, yeah, Urbano Barberini as George. Best I can tell, like, he's he's still... Uh, He's still active, you know, he's still in, in movies, but mostly, uh, you know, a- Italian movies and stuff that probably didn't make it quite as big over here, but he was in both gore movies, G-O-R, gore, gore and gore too, oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, which those look, those look incredible when, uh, when you look up anything on those movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they are, they are, I, I can vouch for those, yeah. Yeah. incredible, right? <laughs> and, uh, like, he, kind of like, I don't know if you ever heard of your Y-O-R-R, your hunter from the future. Yeah. They're on yeah. that level, I want to Oh, God. <laughs> that, that must have been what they were playing off of. Just your gore. All right, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> and he was he also had a, a role in Casino Royale, which I believe was, uh, uh, who's the current James Bond that's about to wrap Daniel up? Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, yeah. I think that was his Daniel first James Craig. Bond movie, right? Casino Royale? Yeah. Yeah, Urbano Barberini is in that movie, um, which is kind of random, like this kind of, uh, when you're looking through his uh, filmography, as an actor, it's like this enormous movie stuck in the middle of a lot of the things you've never heard of. It's like, what? <laughs> how did he get that? And I don't know how big the role is, but he's in it. Natasha Hovey as Cheryl, which she really didn't have anything worth noting on her uh, filmography. Carl Zinni as Ken. Now, I should mention Cheryl is like the main uh, uh, woman of the movie. Carl Zinni as Ken. Now, this is George's uh, friend in the movie, his sidekick or whatever. He, was, he also was in the movie The Final Executioner. And Delirium, uh, those, those are probably about the only ones anyone listening to this would recognize. Oh, yeah, Delirium was another Lumberto Bava movie, directed movie. Yeah, and, and it seemed like there was another one or two that this guy had, like, a smaller role in, uh, you know, of uh, Argento or Bava-related movies. I know that other movie, The Final Executioner, was yet another one of those uh, <laughs> movies I'd mentioned before, the countless uh, post-apocalypse-type movies. That, I mean, I have an affinity for those Italian ripoffs. Paola Cozo as Kathy. She's a... Uh, Cheryl, you know, the main girl, Cheryl, her, her friend, you know, from the beginning of the movie or, you know, throughout the movie. But she you see her more at the beginning of the movie than you do a little bit later on. She was in I'm, I'm going to run through her entire filmo- filmography, Demons, A Cat in the Brain, uh, Demonia, and then some kind of TV series in 1995. And that's it. <laughs> 
Never, never uh, see her in anything again. At least three of those were Lucio Fulci movies. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, so so she's all good. Uh, like she's she's on the uh, hot in the Italian horror circuit and then just disappears. So I don't know what the hell happened there. But Fiore Argento as Hannah. Now she's the uh, the younger girl. Like, remember during during the movie, there's like this younger couple that's kind of around, and uh, she's the one that the dude falls on her and like pukes all over her. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's Fiore Argento, yeah. and yes, that's a familiar name because she is the daughter of Dario Argento, <laughs> and uh, yeah. she was only about 50. not as well known as his other daughter. I think his other daughter is uh, maybe a bit more well known. Yeah, Asia, Asia or Asia or yeah. Asia Argento. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was uh, uh, Fiore Argento was about fifteen at the time of this, which uh, she definitely looks older than fifteen. I mean, you can tell she's young in the movie, but she yeah. looks older than fifteen. Yeah. But yeah. She would have been about 15 at the time that they were making this movie. And she was also in the uh, Phenomena. But not much else, yeah. though, believe it or not, considering her connection to the to the business, so to speak. You know, she Not much else. I mean, a few other things, and that's about it. I'm not sure what she went on to do. I mean, I, I do know there was like some like movie design stuff, you know, for costume costume design. That's what I'm thinking of, God Almighty. Um, I think she had done some stuff like that. So maybe she just moved over into that side of things, you know, over the years. And just maybe she went on to other things. But... Um, yeah, not much to speak of as far as filmography is concerned. Nicoletta Elmi as Ingrid the Usherette. Now, you know, she, she plays more prominent at the beginning of the movie as she does later on. It seems like she's going <laughs> to, she's the one that seems like she's going to have a real big uh, part in this in terms of, like, why this is going on. But then, nope, nope, not really. She was also in Deep Red, Who Saw Her Die, Barren Blood, and a handful of others, mostly throughout the uh, the 70s and early 80s. Now the the funny thing is though too like age wise she's probably only about or she she's in her early twenties when this movie comes out right demons I think she only did like one maybe two more things after demons comes out and then she just went away apparently she retired and she became a doctor so that that that's kind of what happened to her but she was in like I want to say like eighteen or nineteen different things you know including demons so like she had a you know fairly decent uh career going and like you know she's definitely a recognizable face i mean uh beautiful lady uh then she just decided to say fuck it i'm gonna be a doctor so <laughs> but let's face it she's probably better off in the long run uh doing that a couple more recognizable faces i'll mention here bobby rhodes is tony the pimp <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably the most recognizable like uh character yeah. from the movie oh yeah no question yeah. Um, he's got the best screen presence and lines and so so awesome oh, yeah, absolutely so awesome that even though he basically dies and becomes a demon in this movie he's in demons too as a completely different character <laughs> <laughs> and uh the other funny thing I, or not funny but you know odd thing i guess i noticed on his uh, uh his resume was he actually did underwater stunts in the movie leviathan in a handful of other movies and series and stuff like that but nothing quite as big as you know both the demons movies that's this will definitely be the thing you'd uh recognize him from um and i also saw something apparently like uh, back about 10 years or so ago as you know as we're recording this somebody did like a short film or an animated film or something i couldn't find out exactly what it was and it's, it's straight up called tony the pimp <laughs> apparently it's like uh what he's up to now like 25 years later after after demons so like, <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell i'm sure it's like a comedy skit kind of thing you know short film or something but i couldn't find it anywhere to watch it but um, if anybody knows anything about that, uh, send it our way, because I'd definitely like to check that out. It sounds hilarious. And, of course, as uh, Smoke mentioned earlier, uh, how do you say it? Michele Sove? Sovi? Is that how you say it? Michele Sovi. Michele Sovi. Yeah, there you go. He was the assistant director on this movie, but he's all—he's actually... Uh, also... By the way, I speak fluent Italian yeah. horror. <laughs> fluent Italian horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's all we need here. For our purposes, you're solid. <laughs> but yeah, he's the guy that plays. Um, he's the assistant director of the movie and like second unit director or something like that on a few other movies. But he's the guy that's got like the half metal mask, like half his face. It's almost like a cyborg kind of look, where the the mask is almost like you know in his face. Uh, he pops up at uh, you know the beginning and the end, and he also uh, plays Jerry in that you know the movie within the movie, which they never named that movie, just whatever the hell movie is playing here that everybody's yeah. sitting there watching. Because <laughs> yeah. um, it's funny when the movie starts, it just fucking starts like there's no credits. It's just like all right, we're into the movie. Here we go. But he he has a role in that movie too, which. I'm assuming maybe that's supposed to be connected. Obviously, you know, what's going on on the screen is connected to what's going on in the theater, right? But, like, is he supposed mm-hmm. to be the dude from the movie, like, actually in life, in yeah, real life? In the, that I don't know. I don't know. Just, or they just figured, oh, wait, nobody will recognize him, you know, because he's got half a cyborg face. Yeah. In the other yeah. One. <laughs> <laughs> now, we don't feel like paying anyone else to be in this movie. Uh, uh, how about you just, uh, just be in this movie within the movie for us, dude? All right, yeah, sure, why not? Fuck it. <laughs> He's already wearing enough hats, so let's. <laughs> um, yeah. So, was there anything else you guys wanted to point out before we get into the movie itself? Oh, oh just that, that Michele Spovia, like I said, we, as he mentioned before, that he he was the director in his own right and made his first movie, La Chiesa, or The Church. And he did another one called La Setta, or The Sect. And I think it had another name on VHS called Devil's Daughter. All of those are worth checking out, and uh, we'll hopefully get to those at some point on the podcast. And, uh, and the first thing he did that I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my hand, the very first project he ever did that kind of, I guess, opened the door for me for more Argento stuff because this is pre-internet and everything when I was watching these initially, was a, a documentary. It was his first project, was, or first directorial project. It was a documentary on Dario Argento, and that's how I saw a lot of the uncut scenes from Argento movies because I rented this VHS, and a lot of Argento's films were cut over here. They were trimmed to get an R rating. But that documentary had a lot of these gore set pieces within it as it, as he was talking about Argento and his shots and his style of cinematography and everything. So, uh, but that, I still think that uh, documentary is well worth watching a lot more insight in Argento in that one. I think Will might even get a fresher perspective on Suspiria. If he watches that documentary, he might even get a better appreciation of it. I don't know. There's <laughs> 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 a far shot. I, I know, but something tells me we need to do this podcast for about 10 more years and he's got to see a lot more <laughs> shitty movies before we can revisit Suspiria again. Or yes. or his yeah. appreciation of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you definitely like Italian horror is. What do you call that? It's either either one. It's acquired taste. Yeah, you, and you either acquire the taste for it, or you get more and more like fuck of this. Yeah. <laughs> and you say it like that. Fuck of this. Start speaking Italian. Fuck of this. Fuck of this. Fuck of this movie. I'm not watching this shit. <laughs> We just lost all of the three yeah. Italian viewers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean viewers and not viewers. What yeah. If you're listening to this in uh, in Italy, we apologize for our previous comments. And we want to extend an Excuse olive me. branch. Excuse me. No. <laughs> Excuse us. Uh. It's refreshment time. And our refreshment stand is loaded with good things to eat. There's crispy, crunchy popcorn. And hot, delicious buttered popcorn. Lots of candy and frosty, refreshing cold drinks. Why not treat yourself at the refreshment center now? For you, the listeners of the All American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Some uh, trending horror books on uh, in the horror category on, on Audible right now is Blackwater, The Complete Saga by Michael McDowell, and that one's over 30 hours long, and that's only from Audible. 
And here's another one that's like an Audible exclusive. Uh, Moving In series box set books one through six by Ron Ripley. And that one is over 40 hours long. So uh, you're getting quite your money's worth with that one. And uh, I'll just mention off a couple more. Lost Gods, a novel by Brom. That one's over uh, almost 15 hours long. And, uh, of course, uh, th- this is popular right now because of the new uh, series on CBS All Access, The Stand by Stephen King. That one's nearly 48 hours long. So damn near two full days if you just never hit stop. <laughs> uh, it would take you to listen <laughs> to The Stand. So obviously getting your money's worth there. That and plenty more. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. All right, so I guess with that out of the way, we'll go ahead and uh, dive into the movie. This is the fun part where we actually get to talk about this movie. (laughs) So it starts off with uh, Cheryl um, on a train, and uh, she sees like a reflection of the metal mask guy. Like as the the train is going by in the shadows, you can kind of see the uh, reflection of the guy, but you don't don't see anybody anywhere. So she gets off the train, and she's going through like the station, and you see the dude kind of creeping up on her <laughs> like it's like she's afraid like she's kind of running through there like oh my god somebody's stalking me and then the guy just like comes up and, like here it's like <laughs> it's like a fucking uh ticket flyer or something to the show tonight <laughs> so she grabs another one for her friend kathy she meets up with her friend kathy and then they go to the metropole theater so i guess the whole point here is like you know he's just giving out these tickets to bring people in and uh everybody's just coming in for a free show they don't know what movie they're seeing what, what the hell it is they're just eh, Fuck it, it's free. It's for me. So <laughs> they all they all come in. And you're also introduced to George and Ken, who they, they notice the girls trying to get a drink out of the drink machine. And then like they come over and like fonds the drink machine so the, the you know the can falls out. So like they're they're trying to score points. During all this, like you so say you're kinda introduced to all the people coming into the theater, and this is where you're introduced with to uh, Tony the Pimp with his two hookers. Uh, <laughs> Rosemary and Carmen. Rosemary goes over like so there's like this dirt bike set up in the lobby. With like a samurai dude sitting on the dirt bike, holding this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, holding. He's holding a sword and this mask, right? It's some weird decoration. It, may, it makes a cool image, you know. Doesn't make sense really to the to the movie or to anything in there, but it is a cool image. Just the dirt bike samurai clad <laughs> figure, you know, statue or whatever, holding a the, the silver demon mask, which I guess is you know kind of reminds me of like the you've seen the Japanese artwork of hell and demons like Oni Babas, you know, those types of yeah. Italian kabuki style demon masks <laughs> is what it reminds me. And they don't and they don't put a fake uh, sword out there. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, no. Oh, that's a full on like fucking like ser- serious legit samurai sword. But at least <laughs> at least all most of these items come into play later, except for like the samurai suit that's on yeah. this thing, right? <laughs> oh, they definitely all come into some cool play later for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like when you're first seeing that, you're like, what does I mean? That setup, whatever the dirt bike is, just there for that scene later, apparently. But I mean, you know, has nothing to do with anything to do with the movie or the theater or, or anything. It's other than the mask, you know, it's about the only thing that has is a link to what they're going to see and what we're seeing. Just like the helicopter and. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you bring up the helicopter right now? <laughs> um. So Rose, one of the hookers, Rosemary, she puts, she grabs the uh, the metal mask off of the uh, the you know the little setup there, and she puts it on like, ha, 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 look at me, and then it cuts her on the face. <laughs> so then everybody goes in, they start watching the movie, and like what I'm describing, Tony's here, like, I don't teach you to touch things. Yeah, that's what you get, you dumb bitch. <laughs> 
well, everything I'm setting up here, this is like the first 30 or 40 minutes of the movie, by the way. <laughs> like, they're just making small talk. You're introduced to all these people that are in the theater. They go inside the theater, and they sit down, and they start watching this movie. And you're pretty much just straight up watching this movie within a movie now. And then there's a, the blind guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, because that's what you do when you're blind. You go see a movie, and you take your niece so she can, you know, decipher it for yeah. you. Because that's not going to, that's well, not going to, like... You know, mess with anybody around you, anything that having somebody describe what's going on to the whole movie. <laughs> and she and she's doing a horrible job of like describing the movie to him. Yeah. You know, like she she's describing the shit that he could probably figure out on his own if he fucking listened to it and quit asking questions, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> are they scared? Tell me, are you scared? <laughs> know, Meanwhile, his niece is over here like making out with whoever. <laughs> oh yeah, he. And then, yeah, she just got, like, so this guy comes in and sits down next to her. Like, five minutes later, they're over there damn near fucking in the corner. <laughs> and she doesn't yeah. bother to tell, like, whatever he is to her, right? Is that her uncle? Is that her dad? Yeah, at is some point, because I, I, I could never really, I mean, I never really paid attention to that part late, earlier when I was watching. I actually thought that was his wife or something. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his wife's doing it. But no, I did listen to it this time because I was trying to, what the hell connection is she? And I did hear at some point, I think he said niece, my niece, Liz. I think that was her name was Liz. Yeah, Liz. Yeah, that's her he name. called her my niece at one point, yeah. <laughs> Although he, she was calling him by his name, I guess his first name. So that's another thing. I was like, why? Well, if this is her dad, I mean, I, she wouldn't just call him, blah, blah, you know, whatever his first name was, unless they're on that type of level, you know. <laughs> or she didn't call him, say dad. Or, I didn't think it was a dad. But she wouldn't call him uncle so-and-so either, so. But I did hear him mention niece, I think, at some point. So apparently, well, he brought the wrong person to the theater because she <laughs> yeah. she is not a help whatsoever. <laughs> She's bad at describing it, and then she just leaves his ass cold stone. Like uh, doesn't doesn't tell him. <laughs> like you could at least say, "Hey, I gotta go use the use the bathroom," you know, and then go over there and fuck <laughs> yeah. around with this random dude that just walked in. No, nope, no, nope. she just she just leaves him to his own devices, so he's freaking out like Liz. Liz for like five full minutes, but yeah, and, that's why I remembered her name. I think so. Well. Yeah, yeah, because he, he, he only said it a thousand times. Yeah, because he ingrains it into your brain. Um, yes. So back to the movie within the movie. They apparently, for whatever whatever reason, in this movie, the it's like two guys and two girls go to this place like where there's like some underground tombs, and supposedly it's like the tomb of Nostradamus, right? And they open this, not a casket, but what, what would that be, like a tomb, I guess. They open this thing up, Ooh, and yeah. there's a book in there, an old book, and then there's a mask in there, like, wrapped up in, like, some cloth. And it turns out it's, like, basically the same mask that's hanging out on that dirt bike out in the lobby over there. And sure enough, in the movie, the dude, he's he's a, he's clown shoes, too. He puts the mask on, and it cuts his face. So then instantly, like... And then, what do they say? <laughs> they say, if you put on the mask, you become a demon. And how do you know that? Because it says here, if you put on yeah. a mask, you become a demon. <laughs> <laughs> you, you dumb motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> uh, the plot thickens. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, you know, Nostradamus, like, why is he involved in this? Like, I wouldn't think Nostradamus would be the guy that you'd reference here, right? Like, wasn't he just a dude that just, like, predicted things and a lot of shit turned out to be right? But, like... What, what would yeah, he? Yeah. What would he? Yeah, have I mean, to, he did predict some stuff about antichrists, right? But not demons. <laughs> yeah, he like, was talking about like there'd be three antichrists, right? I think he predicted Hitler and he predicted Alexander the Great, maybe was one of them or something. Whatever it was, he predicted these. And then, and then in their storyline, they're like, and, and he predicted demons taking over the earth. Yeah. 
and for whatever reason, he left this like leather-bound book in this in this crypt with no body and a and a mask covered in cloth. Like I, I don't know where it, Nostradamus has to do with it, but so then instantly, like she, he he cuts his face in the movie. So then Ro- the hooker Rosemary, <laughs> who got her face cut, she's like, "Oh shit, you know I, this thing's uh, it's still bleeding. I need to go to the bathroom." So she goes to the bathroom, and then her face starts instantly like puffing up, and then it just pops like a zit, like <laughs> just pop ooze, like. <laughs> And I think that's the green ooze, right? Like that—that's the first time you see it, I believe. Yeah, that's that neon green oozy, you know, pus, whatever. Yeah, when you first see it. And by the way, that's a—they don't do those types of effects anymore. You know, they, they call those bladder effects. You know, there was a lot of bladder effects in the '80s of like this this balloony little bladder thing that they would have hooked up to an air pump device that would explode, and they used that in tons of movies. But mm-hmm. I haven't seen it recently. Well, it usually doesn't look good. It's probably the reason. You know what I mean? Like it. it it looks fake, so that's probably why you don't see it as much anymore. Just because you know, it just doesn't. It generally, sometimes it does look good, but a lot of times it doesn't look. It, really I, good. it depends on what the effect is they're going for. I guess. Yeah, if yeah, like yeah. A, if it's supposed to be some kind of big pustule thing, I'm trying to think. There's something that's really this is a movie. I'm trying to think of this real disturbing scene of that type of thing, like blowing up. Yeah. And I can't think of what it is right now that does use it to good effect. But yeah, if you if you got a reason to use it. You can make it look pretty gross. Now, now with the with the neon green, doesn't really make it stand out as like being overly gross. But you put some good, you know, bussy, you know, darker green stuff in there, or, or like just a big blood thing, it can look good. Also, her look, Rose, yeah. Rosemary, who's the first one, you know, she's about to become a a, de- a full on demon here in a second. She basically looks like a throwaway from the cast of Thriller, right? <laughs> Maybe it's because it's around the same time period. I don't know, but she looks like she should be in Michael Jackson's Thriller. Um, when she turns like full yeah. demon, yeah, full demon with, yeah, with yeah. the eyes and the veins, and everything, yeah. So the other hook, <laughs> so the uh, the other hooker, Carmen, <laughs> decides to come check on her, and then of course she turns around. She's uh, or no, she finds her like in a bathroom stall, right? And she's full on demon, and she kind of jumps after her and like cuts her on her face. Like, doesn't she kind of catch her on her neck? I think it is right, like in her face. And yeah, her neck there. yeah, scratches. Um, yeah. So then Carmen runs out of there and gets lost in a bunch of curtains. <laughs> this this was another one of those Argento feeling kind of moments for me, you know, like like oh yeah, just this this running around panicky like somebody help me, nobody's fucking coming, um, lost in curtains. Somehow she manages to get up behind the damn movie screen, <laughs> and she's screaming and nobody like really hears it, and then she just falls through the movie screen. Now yeah, that, and yet that too was another Argento. That was a straight up Argento. He he had to have written that and maybe even shot some of that. I don't know, but uh, but that whole setup of her being behind the screen, the the actor on the screen is screaming, and then she's screaming behind the screen. Yeah, and then falling through at the same time is it? Yeah, very very Argento esque. But this is right as she falls to the screen. This is when you get one of the coolest, one of the cooler looking scenes of the movie. Right when she turns into the demon, like you can see her fingernails, oh, yeah. like uh, kind of yeah. growing longer, and then like her teeth. Like kind of fall out, and then these yeah. like fangs start coming pushing, out. Yeah, pushing the other teeth out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's. This is one of the cooler yeah, pretty, scenes yeah. of the movie for sure. Like really good effects uh, in this scene. Meanwhile, they're all just standing around watching this happen, and nobody like some people like take off and run, but for the most part, everybody's just standing there watching her turn slowly turn into a demon. Like what the fuck, you know? <laughs> Wouldn't you go beat the shit out of her or run one or the other? Like if I, if I see somebody <laughs> turning into a demon in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they all just kind of stand around, and then Rosemary, the you know the first the first one, comes running in, and then uh, 
Or no, no, she's upstairs, like in the balcony or something, right? Where, wherever the hell that uh, the blind girl or the blind guy, has, yeah. has Liz or whatever, she's up there making out with the guy. She takes like a, a rope and just str- strangles them together, like puts the puts the little rope around both of their necks as they're making out, and then kind of makes them like make out to the death, you know? <laughs> like she's she's a fucking. <laughs> She's like a demon. She could claw the shit out of them or eat them or something. No, she's just and got she like a rope. them with the theater rope. Yeah. <laughs> the curtain, the, the handrail theater rope thing. <laughs> she just makes them kiss each other to death, you know, basically. And then uh, she hangs the guy. Like, then she takes the rope and I guess like strangles the dude with it and then hangs him. Right as uh, as the other guy, like, I think his, I think the guy's name was Frank. He's kind of like an asshole. Like everything his wife would say, he's just like, yeah. hey, shut up, bitch. You know, whatever. Like he... He's basically just uh, taking a shit on his wife. He's like uh, in Night of the Living Dead. He's like, what's the guy in the Living Dead? Harry. Yeah, yeah, the guy down in the basement. Yeah. He's just got something negative to say all the time. And uh, this dude gets hung. Rosemary or one of them come up from behind the the Frank guy and just rip his fucking throat out. And then up where the blind guy is, where he's still looking for Liz, she jumps out and just fucking gouges. Like, does the guy even have eyes? Like, I guess he does. And he's just blind. I, I couldn't really tell because it looked weird once his like sunglasses fell off. But she, of course, yeah, I, I guess that was the effect they had. They had whatever the fake, yeah, 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 <laughs> fake eyeball stuff is they had in there. Yeah, it did kind of make it look like he just didn't have eyes. I guess. So she just comes up and like gouges his eye holes out. Like <laughs> this whole scene of like him just <laughs> blood oozing out and her just like thumbing his eyes out. <laughs> so that everybody at this point now is freaking the fuck out. Of course. And they run to the front door, and they they literally, like, they can't get the doors open. They literally, like, pull the fucking doors down, and it's bricked up. Did I guess the question is here, would you think, like, this is, like, magical type shit going on? Or is someone out there, is someone, did someone go through the trouble of bricking this up? I mean, like, what the hell are we supposed <laughs> to get out of this, right? Like, what you're supposed to get out of it is that it's, Italy in 1985. <laughs> all right, that explains it all. <laughs> 1985, man. Yeah. Oh, it's in. Like I said, it's in full effect in this one. Yeah. Then, as they're running around, a woman gets her fucking scalp torn off. <laughs> it's Rose. It's Rosemary again. You know, the first hooker. Oh yeah. This woman like ducks into a room, and then Rosemary grabs a hold of her and like rips her scalp off. And then like they manage to lock Rosemary in a room, and, like you know shove her in there and like uh, push a like a coke machine up against the door to hold her in there Uh, then they go upstairs and they smash the projectors because they think like if they stop the movie this will stop this whole thing (laughs) they they find the blind guy up in the balcony then they're like uh his his uh liz is up there they try to throw her off the ledge the guy frank who had his who had just had his throat ripped out he jumps up i guess he climbed up the rope from where the dude got hung off the balcony and he jumps up and attacks, and then they manage to push him off, and he falls on top of Hannah, who Hannah's, like, still down in the main theater, like, walking around, or, like, crawling around on the floor. Dude falls. Like, yeah, like, I, I, it's been a, a considerable amount of time. It feels like it's gone by at this point, and the whole time she's just been kind of crawling in the same aisle, I guess. And, <laughs> yeah, thing. yeah, everybody else has already run away and found a safe place to hide. She's still crawling around on the floor <laughs> over there for some reason. And... <laughs> Demon Frank falls on top of her and then just starts throwing up on her. <laughs> it's more the 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 fucking green pus and shit. He's just yakking all over. Her. I would say this is where it starts to go off the rails a little bit, but I mean, let's face it, it's already been off the rails, right? For some reason, there were rails. Yeah. 
<laughs> for some reason now there's this little sub story with these like uh these hoodlums these punks in a car snorting cocaine from a like a coke can <laughs> <laughs> All right, that that was awesome though. By the way, I thought I was like, well, well, look at that Coca-Cola can. Coca-Cola's a sponsor of this movie, I guess. Yeah. Like, oh no, I guess Coca-Cola wouldn't like that. Right? No, no, I'm, I wouldn't imagine Coca-Cola <laughs> got a and draw in the Coca-Cola can. And you know, when you first see that scene, you see the can with the with the straw. You think, oh, yeah, like I said, it's like oh, product placement. And they're just drinking this Coca-Cola, and then they take the straw and puts it in his nose and sniffs. And yeah. oh, I get at it. First Coca-Cola. At, at first, I was kind of like, these are some, like, real, uh, like, health-conscious teens or, you know, punks, right? You know, like, they clearly have <laughs> yeah, sold this car. Yeah, you think they'd be drinking, you know, swilling down some beer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're liquor, drinking, like, no, they're drinking Coke. Coke, Coke. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, they're snorting co- cocaine from a Coke can. Um, <laughs> Which well, seems, you know, you know, like something you would do, right? You you got, like, you know, I don't know, about $1,000 worth of Coke in that can, maybe? Yeah. Is you're just passing around, and then, then what happens? What happens? We can't have nice things because they want to fight over it, and then yeah. the Coke goes flying. Spill- the <laughs> and then the, the fucking leader guy, like, pulls over on the side of the road, like, you're going to pick up every fucking gram. And then we spend, like... <laughs> and the- that guy has already had well over his amount, right? And then uh, this <laughs> must have... Uh, this whole bugged. This whole thing must have just been to, like, pad out the runtime of this movie because it really had nothing to do with anything. And all we learned was how to, well, like... We, we, we do get to hear Billy Idol's White Wedding. Or <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that I guess. But it was a way for them to get Billy Idol in there. But um, <laughs> really all we learned here was, like, how to pick up spilled cocaine with razor blades. Like, you know, like, that's all we get out of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's snow in the valley. Is that what you said? <laughs> snow in the valley. <laughs> And then he's got like a fucking. Like, he's digging the digging the cocaine out of her cleavage. Yeah, he's got like a full on like raw razor blade on her nipple, just like scraping the cocaine off of her. But you notice like when he cut her, like the razor blade was facing the wrong way. No, I didn't. But that's that's awesome, and it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. So then Tony, the, the this is what the the, the the one of the more tragic moments of the movie. Tony the pimp gets torn up by two demons, like. One of them jumps on him, like starts biting his leg. Another one grabs him, and they they just uh, fall off the ledge. And then they're hanging off of the uh, the you know the the uh, guy that was hanging from the balcony. And then they just cut him down, and Tony's gone. Um, so then they get the bright idea yep. just to, to to barricade in the balcony for some reason. Instead of like you know trying to go to a different location, they decide to barricade themselves on the balcony. So they start ripping up the seats and like piling it piling them up on the doorway so nobody can get in. So then they eventually start, like, hitting the walls and stuff, and then eventually somehow they, like, bust a hole in the wall and realize, hey, wait a minute, there's a room back there. So they bust a hole in and crawl through, and then there's nothing. Like, there's a, it's another, like, it's five... Room, bricked in raw room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they found more fucking brick rooms <laughs> beyond this... this uh, what was the point of all that? I Who think knows, the point but, of that but, was but, so uh, that they could get another cool Argento shot of the camera traveling along one brick wall to the corner to the next brick wall to the <laughs> yeah. corner to the next. <laughs> well, I thought it was funny when they first started doing this, like, all right, here's four people walking down the, the, the corridor. All right, now let's cut, do a cut shot, and now here's 15 people walking down the corridor. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there was way more people up there on that balcony than, like, eventually walked into that little weird brick room, right? Like, so only like eight of them went through, and there's like 30 other people sitting back on the balcony. <laughs> so then these punks outside, they get chased by the cops into a uh, into an alley. It's supposed to be like a dead alley, right? A dead-end alley. And then uh, they're kind of like, fuck, what do we do? And then all of a sudden, like, a door opens, and it goes into the theater, and then closes. Then the cops roll up and like, hey, where'd they go? But then 
behind their behind the car that's in this alleyway is the blind guy. Somehow he's he got out there, right? That was the blind guy, right? That's behind the like attacks the cops. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I was thinking. Yeah, as soon as they I mean, ran look, in, like the door immediately like reopened. Yeah, and he popped out. Yeah. He was, <laughs> <laughs> so he's on the ground like playing. he was like and he's. He came out like Mr. Magoo looking for his glasses. Yeah, Liz, Liz. <laughs> so, so he just like playing possum on the ground behind this car, and the cops say, "Hey!" And then he rises up, and now he's a demon. And you know, then they take the gun, and, like shoot him in the hand, and, like blows a few of his fingers off. Yeah. So then you cut back into the theater, and then um, you see Tommy and Hannah crawling around in the air ducts. A demon attacks. Now, did Hannah become a demon here? Because I couldn't tell whether that was her, like you know, like. When Tommy turns around or whatever, and he's like, "Cause remember that they're they're crawling through the air duct, and they feel like they're being chased, and you see like demon yeah. hands. You hear that? You hear the demon? You know, they hear the fingers. Like you hear that? Like fingernails on the thing? Yeah. <laughs> it was like the demons. But it's like, like on the air conditioning duct or whatever. But I, I couldn't quite tell how this ends. Like, it was it another demon that just attacks them, and now they're dead and gone? Or did she turn into a demon and attack him, and now you know they're just part of the crew now i couldn't tell exactly what happened here i assume that she turned into one since she got puked on by the blood but also it made it seem like there was another demon there and that maybe it was there as well so yeah it was pretty confusing <laughs> or maybe she was turning demon and didn't realize it or something yeah so like, he was like because yeah, he kept hearing it. he was like you hear that you know this demon sounds like fingernails on the thing yeah, yeah it was hers <laughs> yeah it was just her hands yeah, the whole time and it, she <laughs> yeah I, I don't know what the hell, but either way, it like, was a bit confusing. Yeah, the, talk, the, the shooting style and editing there was a bit confusing. If that was what they were, and, and the entire but time, yeah, like, there's no consistency to everybody like flipping. No, no. Sometimes yeah. it seems like it just instantly <laughs> happens, like at the end, or, or in other cases, it takes a little time. You know, and there's a slow transformation. Like I said, I guess in the end, it doesn't really matter. Like they're both not a part of the movie any any further past that point. So <laughs> I guess, however it went down, it doesn't really matter. They're gone. The punk, the the girl that's with the punk guys, uh, Lena, she gets attacked as the rest of them uh, run from a horde and that like a horde of the uh, demons. Now this is where you get the cool shot of like the demons walking up like a, a stairwell and like there's the blue light behind them and everything and the shadows. Yeah. And then they when they when they rise up above the steps, like their eyes are glowing. It's one of the more memorable shots of the movie for sure. And like I said, it's yeah. on like the movie poster too. Now I saw something where like they use like reflective tape or something like that on their eyes. Refractive tape, something like that to do that to get that uh to achieve that. I guess they kinda like put it over their eyes and then like shine when they, when they shine the light on them at that angle. Yeah, the light, yeah. yeah, yeah, it would glow. So it's pretty cool little effect so then of course they uh they hear that the people barricaded up on the balcony they hear this and they're like hey we're saved so they go over and tear tear down the barricade and then are instantly attacked and one of them was tony the pimp and <laughs> like they've all come back to fuck them up now they crawl they, they the the four main characters what, what was uh cheryl and kathy and uh george and ken they managed to kind of like crawl through the the chairs and everything and they get out but like meanwhile kathy is uh like attacked right like uh, is, isn't it when they were like crawling through the chairs kathy like one of like a demon jumps on her and she bites the damn demon's fingers off or something like that but then she crawls off through the other end and has no blood on her whatsoever yeah well continuity problem yeah a little bit she comes out <laughs> yes. like they, they have to help her out you know so they're all four out of there and all of a sudden kathy turns demon like pretty much right away and then Ken grabs like a damn like metal grate and just beats the shit out of her with it. <laughs> <laughs> 
then she like kind of gets up on all fours and her back starts like uh you know arching and moving on its own and then all of a sudden a demon skeezix uh jumps out of her back <laughs> fully formed like fully formed anthropomorphic human demon <laughs> <laughs> like this is inconsistent to everything that's happened at this point right like <laughs> you haven't seen it doesn't make it any like, less it doesn't make it any less cool but yeah. it is, doesn't make sense period yeah yeah, yeah. Um, is it because she put the demon fingers in her in her mouth and 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 bit them off like she did that uh, some demon implanted <laughs> itself inside of her? I don't know what the hell happened here, but it like busts out of her back, uh, then just runs over, scratches Ken like on the shoulder, and then runs away. Like you, you never see it again, or at least I don't think the you way do. it runs. Have to mention my, 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 every time this happens, I mean I lose it too. I, I think it's it's just a funny scene of yeah. when the demon comes out and then he's running and looking. I mean, it's really quick, like two seconds maybe. He's running and looking at the camera as he disappears behind the <laughs> theater curtain. My, it cracks my wife up every time. Like, like crying, like literally LOL. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, like, and we rewind it and have to watch it a couple more times and just like crack up at that. It's just the way, I mean, it's not that it's meant to be a funny scene at all. When he, I'm gonna the re- way that it was shot right here when you see his like fuzzy white demon hair like sticking straight up and him just running behind that curtain for like, it's just, I don't know. Something about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> re-edit it. I'm gonna re-edit that scene that make it play out exactly the way it plays out, except when it runs away, I'm gonna play now, you know, as it <laughs> as it ducks behind the curtain. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, let's get some Benny Hill in there. Yeah. <laughs> well that that's pretty much where we're at in the movie is that they might as well have been playing the theme from Benny Hill the rest of this movie because this is pretty much where it starts to go off the rails. I mean really go off the rails so it, it scratches ken and runs away and then ken basically like you know it takes a couple minutes but he turns demon pretty quick uh, but he pu- he manages to pull the sword off the little dirt bike setup and hands it to george and tells him to kill him so of course george's like no i'm not gonna do it until he turns fucking demon and then kills his ass <laughs> so then they get on the dirt bike and they start mowing and mowing down and cutting down some demons. Meanwhile, this is all playing out as fast as a shark by Accept is playing. So, <laughs> yes, it's yes. full on like 1985 <laughs> metal going on as this is as this you know scene is playing out. And we we didn't mention it yet, but earlier in the film, I think was uh, I mean the the soundtrack's awesome, but I think it was the first scene in the movie within the movie they're watching that was a Motley Crue's "Save Our Souls." Yeah, the Theater of Pain album. Was mm-hmm. playing, and there was a couple of other. Well, wow, well, we already mentioned Billy Idol's White Wedding playing during the cocaine snorting scene. Yeah, th- this is a uh, this is a good time to point out because since I never really went deep into the actual like soundtrack that was put together for this that came out on LP back then, this is the track listing: mm-hmm. White Wedding by Billy Idol, Fast as a Shark by Accept, Save Our Souls by Motley Crue, uh, a few cuts by Claudio Simonetti, Walking on the Edge by Rick Springfield, uh, Night Danger by Pretty Maids. We close our eyes by Go West, send my heart by the Adventures, and Everybody Up by Saxon, which I think that was the one that plays at the that's end. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. So that's it, a good one too. <laughs> epic soundtrack for 1985 for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like he he George is on the dirt bike, just fucking like swinging the sword around. Um, he grabs Cheryl. She gets and on. The, he's swinging the sword and driving. Yeah, dr- <laughs> handling a dirt <laughs> handling a dirt bike like driving over fucking theater seats. While swing- Over movie theater seats? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By, while swinging a samurai sword around, while Cheryl jumps on the back of the dirt bike, you know, and they're just fucking, like, laying waste. Also notice... I think, yeah, like I said, Saxon... Sa- oh, no, this is when Fast as a Shark is playing, like, full more, like, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, I yeah. Was- yeah, Fast as a Shark is, uh, is, is playing as this is going on, and 
Did you notice uh, also? I am still. Did you, did either of you also notice during this melee, like basically one of them scratches him, but then they never address it again. Like one of them grab, they like grab yeah. his arm, and he like ah, and then <laughs> then they just never address it ever again. Like <laughs> like he didn't just get scratched by one of the demons. Yeah, well, I think that's the bait and switch there at the end. Yeah, yeah, real clever. So <laughs> then, as this is going on, like they manage. I think he like he he wipes out on the bike or whatever, and then they're just kind of standing there. And some of them are coming, and then all of a sudden, the the building starts shaking, and there's a noise up above, and they look up, and then a fucking helicopter falls through the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> this is like full-on, what the fuck is going on here, right? And then they do no explanation of it. Like, you know, you just, yeah, you just saw that. This happened just so they could use it to spin the blades to cut some demons' heads <laughs> off. Like, that that's the only reason. <laughs> yeah, that was probably like somebody, somebody was like, you know, you know I, I think you get a helicopter. You think you could use a helicopter? Oh, oh yeah. yeah we'll hey, Dario. <laughs> They've got one right here on set, though. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, when you have Lamberto Bava and Dario Argento and somebody says, hey, we can get you a helicopter, they're going to figure out how to fucking use that helicopter. <laughs> and then did you notice, like, like they, they pan back or they, 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 they have a shot of the hole that was created by the chopper? Mm-hmm. And the hole is clearly smaller than that chopper would fit through. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not to mention that the chopper just falls straight down through the room. <laughs> yeah, it just falls perfectly. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that the only, I mean, other than somebody who's like, yeah, cool, we can get a helicopter and put it in this scene. I mean, other than that, to the movie, the only thing I can think of is that they're trying to show that this has already become widespread, but how how it has become widespread enough that it's affected a helicopter pilot? Yeah, like, yeah. You figured those two guys would have been the most safe of anyone out there, yeah. like, you know? at least for you know for a while, anyways. Yeah, until, until they land. <laughs> what what no, are we? No, here's what happened. Here's what happened. The blind guy gets out in the uh, in the alleyway, Liz. fights the two cops. Liz. <laughs> and then one of the cops is like, "Let's go get in the helicopter quick." <laughs> yeah. So they also on this helicopter find a fucking grappling hook gun. Um, at, this but, is after this because is, they're in every chopper. Yeah. Well, I, I oh, should yeah. say I should go back Never a step. This I should go back a step. This is after they got he got George got in the helicopter and managed to turn the blades on enough so they'd spin around and like fuck up some demons. Right. Then he find <laughs> he finds two a, of them. Yeah. <laughs> then he finds a fucking like. Grapple grappling hook with the gun with the the whole hookup to basically shoot this thing up and grapple out of there, um, which is what they do. So they get up on the roof, all is okay until the half metal mask Wait, hold guy. On, hold, on, hold, on. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So so they turn on the uh, the thing to pull him up, right? Mm-hmm. Except how in God's name did it pull him up? It, like the other end wasn't taken up to the. So like one end was taken up with the grappling gun right mm-hmm. and then they just connect the, the the thing from the chopper to them and how does it pull it up it's pulling from the bottom 1985 <laughs> <laughs> that's how grappling hooks the winch is, they defied all logic and all you know <laughs> physics the winch is on the ground <laughs> yeah she was on the ground yeah. oh wait oh. boom <laughs> So anyways, they get up safe and sound on the roof, and then the fucking half-metal mask, the, the, the man in black or whatever, he's up there. And uh, him and George scuffle around, and he manages to push George off, so George is just hanging off of, like some rebar on the side of the hole. She comes up from behind him and stabs him with that grappling hook, 
And then they push his face onto some of the rebar, you know, like just push his head through the rebar that's sticking out. And then like, it, it goes through his eyeball, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So what? Once again, what the hell was his function? Like, who was he? <laughs> was he the guy from the movie that's just here to let the demon plague loose on the world? Like, what the hell was his role? And if he, I mean, think about it. Like, if he's going through the trouble of standing around handing out tickets. To make everybody go inside this theater. Why the hell would they even... Ha Why did it have to start in a theater? To make it go out through the rest of the world. Like... <laughs> the, it, it just shot a hole through the whole point. Yeah, they, you know, they, if all logical... You know, if we're talking about logic, not Italian horror logic. Then, yeah, they just would have dispersed... If this mask was the cause of it, they would have, like... Just sent it all over the place. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. ship it over here. Oh, somebody will put it on. Okay, cool. That, yeah. that affected it. Send it over here, you know. Somebody's going to be we an idiot. You can just bypass the whole movie theater thing. Yeah. <laughs> why Why put up the ruse? And and why is he on the damn uh, roof just hanging out waiting for these people to come out of there? True. And then why are you going to get... You give away the whole thing in that movie as far as like, okay, she had already put the mask on, but if anybody had seen the movie, they're going, I'm not putting that mask on. <laughs> well, I'm assuming... Kind of the whole I'm assuming this is the, the only time anyone's actually ever seen this movie. It ain't like... Uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's not like The Ring, you know, where <laughs> this this movie's getting passed around and starting demon plagues everywhere, but maybe it is. Nostradamus, man. <laughs> so then this is when they realize that, like, the world has gone to shit. Like, you know, there's demons everywhere now, and they're outside. And, and this is when uh, Everybody Up by Saxon starts playing as they're, like, running through the oh, streets. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, they get cornered again by some demons, and all of a sudden, like, this jeep rolls up and shoots them, or, you know, shoots the demons and, like, picks them up, like... Turns out it's like this family. I'm assuming it's like an older guy with like a, a teenage girl and like a you know say like a, a 12 year old boy in the car and they got guns and everything. Like we're heading west to where civilization can be rebuilt. Like like th this this whole thing just happened and they're already like thinking about rebuilding civilization. You know like <laughs> we need, we need to find a nice spot to start over. Like dude, this just started like 30 minutes ago, man. <laughs> but apparently these this is the family that was prepared. Then like, you know, so it looks like it's all going to be pleasant and, and the credits actually start rolling, right? Then they the camera starts like slowly zooming in on Kathy and then like all of a sudden she's picking like something on the side of her neck and then uh, she turns around and now she's full demon. <laughs> and then like I think the little boy just like shoots her point blank and it drops her ass and then they just drive away. The end. <laughs> And that was kind of like one of those, you know, early, early, whatever you want to call it, uses of a post-credit sequence. Even though it didn't wait till the end of the credits, but still, the credits are rolling, you know. Yeah, like it had as started. They're driving away in the jeep, and you see her kind of yeah, digging around, like messing around with her neck back there, and boom, then she's a demon. Yeah, I mean, you're totally thinking like, well, fuck, that was a weird way to end it, and then, yeah. then, bam, she turns into a demon, which is still an even weirder way to end it. But you know, since you never <laughs> saw anything happen to her, but I guess whatever, right? And like I said, something did happen to him, but they never addressed it again. Like, you clearly saw one of them grab him and, like, scratch him, and he goes, ah! And then, uh, meanwhile, she's the one that turns into a demon, like, ten minutes later. So, there you go. Lumberto Bava's Demons from 1985. Demone. So, uh, Will, what's your star rating on this bad boy? I think I'm going to give this one probably two and a quarter. A lot of, lot of plot holes. A lot of inconsistency. But it was definitely a fun movie to watch. Professor, what do you think? Oh, man, I got a lot of history with this one. And as you will, everybody will see as we do more of these, I have a huge affinity for Italian horror movies. So I give it four stars. <laughs> and and you'll, you'll probably, what? You know, but yeah, that's... No, it that's that's, didn't surprise me, but it's... going to go when we get these Italian movies. <laughs> it, do, it doesn't surprise me at all, but like, uh, like you said, <laughs> I, we know you have an affinity for it. So if nothing else, there's that. 
But I'm not too far off from you myself, man. I think I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it three and a half, just because I had a lot of fun watching it. You know. Yeah. There's a lot of what the fuck. You know, especially in that last 15 minutes or so. But it's still a fun watch. And and, I, and I've already seen it a time or two before this. I watch it often, you know, or at least every once in a blue uh, moving forward. Because this is definitely one I enjoyed. And like I said, like I'd heard from someone said before, like it does feel like it's a more entry-level kind of Americanized Italian horror movie. You know, in a lot of ways. Because a lot of them aren't this fun. You know, <laughs> some of them, are, like like Will said about Suspiria, like you know, it's, it it leans more seriously, right? And you really got to pay attention. To shit. Yeah, they get they get a bit more complex and stuff, and convoluted as far as the plot and everything. Especially when you know when you get into the giallo genre. Yeah, which I love those too. But yeah, they definitely. I don't know. It's it's like I said, it can, it can be an acquired taste or a taste that you never acquire. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> there's a very it's a whole different world when you're talking about European horror in general, but yeah, specifically Italian horror. I mean, there's a whole lot of things you have to forgive, I guess. And for me, when I first started, my first Italian horror movie I ever saw, it was actually Buried Alive. Joe D'Amato's Buried Alive. And if we ever get to that one, that, that movie's really messed up. It's not, on, you know, maybe not quite as messed up as Cannibal Holocaust, but it's it's out there. Yeah. And I was like, but watching, I'm like, what the what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and, but but uh, but it drew me to it. And then I, then I saw more and more. And the more I saw, the more you realize you got to forgive certain things. And plot is a huge thing you got to forgive because they just don't really care much about a coherent storyline or or even a coherent timeline or anything like that. When it's pretty much just visually driven, effects driven. More often than not, a lot of times just some of the you know less innovative ones, like I said, are just ripping off other American horror films or British horror films or whatever, but doing it in this very italian way that even those ripoff type movies are i find entertainment in those so it's just a for me it's just an acquired taste and a lot of forgiving of things that are going on so we clearly all enjoy this and will clearly uh uh enjoyed this one uh, way more than he enjoyed suspiria because uh <laughs> back when we saw Best progress <laughs> yeah yeah back when we watched suspiria uh will gave that one two and a half stars and then he shrunk it down uh, you know, on our first anniversary to one and a half stars. So two and a quarter is better than uh, the, even the re-rating of Suspiria. So uh, baby steps, I guess. We... <laughs> That's right. Next we'll tackle Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Not yet. Um, before we move on to tease what we're going to be watching next, uh, Will, did you come up with a kill count for this? <laughs> uh, oh, boy, that humanity. was... Yeah. <laughs> What's the population of Earth in 1986? That. Yeah, I think this was. I mean, any it, number you can come up with. Yeah, it, it's hard to count because, like, you know, almost everyone in that theater. How many ever people were in that theater outside of the two that got out are the ones that died, right? <laughs> and and then there's countless others outside. So yeah, it, it's hard to put a number. Yeah, on and who knows about. Yeah, off screen. Who knows, right? Yeah, <laughs> but on exactly. Yeah, exactly. Fun too. So that leads us to the gore score. Smoke. What, what do you got? Uh, this is a good. This is a good. We're getting some getting meteor titles now. Recently, so this one's a lot of splatter in this one. A lot of good effects. Uh, I I go with an eight. A solid eight. I think that's that's more than fair for this for sure. It ain't quite the uh, the level of uh, terrifier. You know, as far as like holy shit. Oh, yeah. You know, but um, yeah, at least not sustained anyways. Like terrifier was. It might yeah, be yeah. more. You mean. The bulk of splatter effects in this movie might actually be more mm-hmm. splatter effects to maybe overall that were in Terrifier, but not the uh, to the level of some of those really messed up set pieces that they had in, yeah, in it's, Terrifier. It's it's <laughs> it's also 1985 gore versus you know more recent oh, gore yeah. where that's like holy hell you know that's just brutal versus this is uh 
car- cartoonish brutal in a way. You know, I guess is the nice way to put it. So next episode, we will be watching It Chapter 2. We watched the first, it, or, or well, not the very first, you know, not the Tim Curry It from, what, 1990 or whatever, but the one from 2017. Mm. We actually watched that one all the way back to episode 16. We figured it was time to go ahead and close the loop and, and finally sit down and watch It Chapter 2, which I, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit right now in January of 2021, I have not watched this movie yet, even though it's been out what, over a year and a half now. <laughs> I haven't sat down and watched this movie yet myself. Um, have both you guys, I assume both you guys have seen this or at least smoke? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the movies yeah. and watched it. So I'll be the uh, I'll be the newbie on this one. So uh, with that, I'll go ahead and uh, uh, tell you the synopsis from IMDb. It is 27 years after their first encounter with the terrifying Pennywise, the Losers Club have grown up and moved away until a devastating phone call brings them back. I, I was a huge fan of the, you know, the, the old Tim Curry version and uh, uh, I still haven't sat down and read the whole book. I think I've read maybe like half the book or something like that. So I kind of know where it's going, you know, just based on the old, uh, you know, the 1990 miniseries version. But uh, I'm interested to see how they pulled this one off and and also how it compares to the uh, first chapter, which, like I said, we talked about in episode 16, and we were all favorable of it. So it'll be interesting to see what all three of us think about the second chapter coming up on the next episode. And uh, so I guess that's it for... Uh, demons that you guys got anything else you wanted to add before we check out long live tony the pimp yeah <laughs> <laughs> in they, whatever form you may be in even and demons too they should have just brought him back as tony the pimp like you know <laughs> oh he 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 got okay <laughs> he's back <laughs> he's back yeah. yeah and even even his even his bitches is back you know yeah. like uh his now t- he's just got to try and find somebody who's in the demon fetish his two favorite hookers, Rosemary and Carmen, are back. <laughs> so as always, I'm Josh, and for my good friend Will and Smoke, we are the All-American Spook Show Podcast, and we will see you next time for It Chapter 2. As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.